Hello, everybody. The Ontario AgCast today could go in many different directions. The only thing that we can guarantee you as listeners, aside from me abusing the English language, are an abundance of chicken and egg jokes. I'm your host, Wendell Shum, and while our guest has worn many hats, she seems to have found her place in Ontario agriculture as a full-time egg farmer. Tanya Haverkamp, welcome to the show. Hi there, thank you. So Tanya, you have been an esthetician, truck driver, a grocery stock woman, yeah. and have settled on egg farmer. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah, when I was working at the grocery store, I also worked on the front end, so cashier, front end service clerk, front end manager, all that type of stuff, all of the different things at the grocery store, yeah. <laughs> So your path to being an egg farmer took some different directions. It did. It did. I grew up on the egg farm. Mom and Dad had a smaller smaller flock in Milverton with about 7,000 birds. And then growing up, you know, you're always in the barn. After school, we had to do chores on the weekends. And, and then all through public school, helping out in the barn. And then high school, we expanded our flock into Strathroy. And in the summers... I would go live with the family that was looking after the barns there, so my summers were spent in the Lair Barn, lo and behold, after being in public school and dreading having to go do chores after school. I chose to go live with, the, with uh, Rick and Nett and Strathroy and spent my summers there and came back in the fall for high school. Safe to say that you didn't always know you wanted to be an egg farmer? I guess I, deep down I probably always knew, but wasn't sure 100% of that the direction I wanted to go in so I like you said I tried some other avenues and I, I love being in the barn and being around the chickens so that's where I ended up yeah give us your best chicken joke well I guess it's not really a, a joke I, I, I think it's the question most commonly asked is what comes first the chicken or the egg and I think as an egg farmer if you don't have a hen you won't have an egg so I believe that the hen came first oh my gosh we're gonna get into a whole philosophical debate here I can tell would you want to know okay so Christine and I came up with a a great slogan a few years ago we had a a product that we sold as a preservative for straw and we pitched it to chicken farmers and said use the juice chicks dig it I know gold right yeah there you go yeah I liked it what's the dirtiest job that you have to do on on the farm I guess it's it's got to get done every three to four days, and it's manure. It's usually pretty good as long as the belts are running fine and they're not frozen, but every once in a while, and it happened, the first cold spell we had here is one of the belts had frozen up, and then the manure jams up in the storage barn, and then it jams up coming into the barn, so there's a lot of shoveling to do. It's, it's not a lot of fun, and you get covered in a lot of manure. <laughs> Probably doing manure. I've seen some pictures that you posted on Twitter. It looks pretty grungy and gross. <laughs> it can be. It gets dusty in there from all the chicken feathers and that type of stuff. But yeah, and the, it's a strong smell. I I think most farmers can attest that you know you can usually tell which manure is which when you're driving by in the fields, and it's pretty distinct. Well, h- help us out for the people that don't know much about layers. Chickens aren't born ready to lay eggs no so what happens is we get our baby chicks which are also pullets we call them pullets they come in as day old so we get them from the hatchery 
So like I said, they're just whether a couple days old or sorry, a couple hours old, and then they come into our chick barn. The chick barns they're set at about 33 to 35 degrees. You got to keep it toasty warm for them. Then when we set up the the cages or the housing that they're in, we put papers down and then we put feed on the papers and then we lower the water down, water lines fairly low so when they first come in they have access to feed and water right away and then we keep those chicks in the barn the pullet barn for 19 weeks and usually about around 17 18 weeks you're going to start seeing the first eggs from the hen so it doesn't take very long for a baby chick to become a hen where she's starting to lay eggs and then about week 19 to 22 they're coming into full swing and after that they're going to lay about one egg a day when your chickens start laying eggs, what kind of a barn are they in? I, I know the terms a little bit. Conventional yep. versus free run and now enriched housing. What is the difference between those? So conventional housing, the, the hens are in, I guess what you would say is really tiny, small little flocks of, in our barn they're in little flocks of six. Um, and then the free run is there on the floor and they have access, all three types of housing have access to feed water all the time. And then the enriched housing, the, the housing is a little bit larger and they have perches, they have a scratch pad and they have a nesting area, that's where they're gonna lay their eggs. So I guess to put it in terms where people might understand it a little better, it's the enriched housing, we like to maybe say it's flying first class in the airplane, you've got a little bit extra more, more room, you've got maybe some amenities that are a little bit more special and then the conventional housing I guess is flying in the regular spot of the airplane. Still you're going to get what you need to get done, you're going to be comfortable and then the free run it's just there's no housing the hens are, it's, I, I guess it's like of a free-for-all you know there's there's hens on the floor and they they might have if it's an aviary barn there's different levels where they can perch on and little ramps to get to their feed and water and, yeah, that's, I guess, the easiest way I could explain it. So as consumers, people get this idea in their head that if I am confined in a small space with five or six other people, that can't be yep. good. But which is better for chickens? Is it better to be out on in an open barn on the floor or, or better to be in a, a small group? I believe it's better to be in a small group because chickens, they can be mean. If there's one chicken that's weaker than another chicken, the other hens will they'll prey on it, they might peck it, they might... There's a reason you know, it's called pecking food. order. Yeah, exactly. That that, that term is 100% true. And, and if you have your hens in, in smaller flocks, they figure out their pecking orders. So the boss hen, you know, will figure out who she is and then the other hens will fall in the next order. Whereas in the free run barn, there's a bit... It's like the first day of school, you know, everyone's trying to figure out who each other is and. They finally figure it out for the day and then the lights go out. The next day the lights come back on again and they have to figure all that stuff out again. So it's it's nicer to keep them in the smaller flocks to keep that pecking order in check so that they all behave and take care of each other and not pick on a weaker hen. Right. There, there's a reason that you know birds in the wild stick together in, in small groups and find holes in trees and stuff to live in. For sure. Yeah, they want to keep each other safe and they, yeah, that's that's, we have some pullets that are raised on the floor and you'll notice 
they like to keep together. Like at night when the lights go out, they all they birds always like to be in contact with other birds. So at night they're all huddled into the small to a, to a corner and they're all together and they have this huge open space the rest of the barn. But they choose to huddle together because they always like to be touching other hands and close to each other. I know that's the the interesting thing. The same same is true if you see beef cattle out in pasture. They often will be grouped together and and stay huddled up and because they're naturally prey animals. And so yeah, th- that's a safety instinct that they have. For sure, it makes sense. Is that a misconception that a lot of consumers have? I believe it is. I, we like to do what's best for our hens, and we believe that keeping our hens in conventional housing or what we're building now, enriched housing, is best for our hens. But as egg farmers, Egg Farmers Ontario, consumers have many different choices, so that's why farmers, they choose to um, raise their hens in different ways to provide for consumers. Everyone's got different decisions and values of how they want to purchase their food, and as egg farmers, we want to provide consumers with that choice. But I believe what's best for our hens is conventional housing or the enriched. And So if I go to the grocery store as a consumer, I already have so many choices in terms of what eggs I can buy. Do you think the average yep. consumer can understand something like enriched versus conventional? I think so. The only difference, I guess not the only difference, so each egg has the same vitamins, minerals, proteins, whether it's enriched or it's conventional or if it's free range or free run. The only way you're going to get a different protein or essential nutrients in an egg is if you purchased an omega-3 egg. Mm -hmm. So an omega-3 egg has flax seed added into the feed, so that's added to their diet, so then that produces omega-3 in the egg. And I guess if you were to purchase an organic egg, they get fed the same, you know, corn, wheat, soybeans, the vitamins and minerals, but it's going to have the same protein level and essential nutrients in it as, as a, whether it's conventional, free run, or in, enriched egg. In Canada, eggs are produced under supply management. What are the misconceptions people have about supply management versus, say, the eggs you would buy in the U.S.? If, you, if a consumer asked you to correct one misconception about Ontario egg farmers and supply management, what would you tell them? Fair farm pricing. So that that ensures that the farmer is getting a fair price for the eggs that they're producing so that the cost of production goes into that. We're not limiting the amount of eggs we supply for the consumers. That That's not what we want. An egg, or sorry, a chicken is going to lay one egg a day, whether it's, you know, Christmas, you know, summer, so we were always producing eggs to supply for Ontario and Canada. And if we were wanting to get more money for those eggs, that's not that's not how it works. We just want a fair price for the eggs that we produce. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that eggs in Canada don't actually cost more than eggs in the U.S. You had posted something interesting on Twitter a while ago comparing the price of a dozen eggs in different countries. Yep. And Canada ranked 29th on that list, which is cheaper than a lot of countries, including the U.S. For sure, and that's because of supply management or fair farm pricing. That's why we're able to produce eggs that are everyone's able to buy. And then the other thing I don't think people realize, how much good the Egg Farmers of Ontario does. They have donated a bunch of stuff to food banks and, like you said, provided valuable protein and nutrition to people in need. 
So Egg Farmers Ontario, we do donate quite a bit to um, food banks, like you said. We also help uh, out with um, breakfast for the schools, so that we provide eggs for schools. Another thing that Egg Farmers of Canada that they're doing right now, it's Heart for Africa. So what they're doing with that is they're helping to feed a hungry world with nutritious, sustainable eggs. So eggs are a perfect food for a hungry world. There's six grams of protein, there's 14 essential nutrients in just one egg, and there's also vitamins A, D, E, folate, iron, zinc, and all those things are great for um, for everybody. And the Heart for Africa, if they have an orphanage that they've built, and they've also built an egg farm on there, they've got 30,000 laying hens, and that will help provide eggs for the orphans at the orphanage and then also for other people in need in the in the community. So instead of just providing food relief, you're providing them with the ability to farm for themselves. For sure. Yeah, those eggs are that farm is gonna be there for many years and I'm pretty sure they're planning on building another barn. And it's not only like you said, providing food for the orphans and the people in the community, providing work for other families in that area so they'll go out and deliver eggs to other areas that that need them where they're not able to sustain their family and and provide eggs for them to eat every day that's a neat initiative farmers are have always had a history of helping out and giving to people in need so it's, it shouldn't be any surprise that egg farmers of canada does that as well what other organizations sure. are, are you involved in tanya I, I see one here advancing women is that tell us of what you do with them oh so earlier this year i was asked to um speak at the advancing women conference in toronto so that's i guess it's a community you could call it of women that are involved in agriculture whether they're working in the barns every day they're bakers they're crop specialists they're cash croppers you know there's so many different facets in the agriculture community and there's obviously women working in and all of them, and it was just a great way to connect with other women in agriculture, and we had heard some excellent speakers, and it was just a way to motivate and network with other women that are involved in agriculture. It was it was a great, super great time. I, uh, I got to speak in front of all of them, and I was obviously extremely nervous. It's not my uh, thing to get in front of a group, but I believe there was over 420 women at the conference, and I just, you know, just shared my story about, you know, how I started with farming and like I, like you had mentioned, my career path, I guess, took a couple turns and then just came back to the farm. Well, and I heard some really good things about the talk that you gave, Tanya, just so that you know, you're, you're an excellent public yep. speaker. So kudos on that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and your your path to get to where you are today hasn't, hasn't always been easy. You've had a few bumps in the road. Yes. So I guess it was um in april i was diagnosed not this april the april before diagnosed with breast cancer and then i uh i had my first surgery in june so i had a lumpectomy and then going back to the doctor i had found out that they didn't get all the cancer out so i went back in september i chose to have a double mastectomy um i just felt that was right for me the right path i should take because i didn't want to have to do with wondering if it was going to come back on the other side or anything like that. So I had the double mastectomy in September. And then December 21st, I had my 
final reconstructive surgery. So we're going on to almost a year now of, of you know, doctor's appointments and back and forth to the hospital. And, and uh, so, yeah, I guess two, two good, one great thing that came out of that is I found my uh, fiance, Don. So we're getting married in January. And another thing that came out of that is I had uh, a newfound love, I guess you could say, for, for the barns. You know, you go into the barns every day and it's normally the same. There's baby chicks growing, there's eggs getting laid, the temperature's the same, fans are always running, feed and water always always there. So in the mix of all my crazy and waking up in the morning and, you know, wondering what's going on, with my body, I could go out to the barn, and I guess that was my my relief, my escape to what I was dealing with. It was it would bring me back down, and it would make me calm, and just just knowing that everything was the same in the barn, I knew that everything in my life was going to be the same, and and I'm back on that track again. You know, I'm healthy again, and looking forward to getting married in January and just moving on with our lives. Just a newfound love of of farming. I guess you could say gives you gives you that new perspective and thanks for sharing that time because I know cancer has touched everyone I know my mom had breast cancer as well and that can't be an easy thing to go through and still do all of the things that you have to do day to day but it is interesting that going to the barn and, and doing those normal day-to-day chores is one of those things that gives you some foundation for sure it's, it seems funny and and I didn't realize that's what I was doing when I was able to go into the barn, you know, like when I wasn't recovering stuff, it was, it would make, it would bring a, a calm and a peace inside of me. And I, I realized that's what it was. It was just the normalcy of, of the barns. <laughs> and I think a lot of people can, can relate. Dairy farmers go milk cows twice a day. And no matter what's going on, if you lose a loved one or if you have challenges with your health that you're dealing with, doing that every day, it's one thing that you know is just going to stay the same. Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's and it's caring for another thing that needs you to care for it, right? The the animals, and whether they're dairy cows or pigs or chickens, they can't take care of themselves, and they rely on us to take care of them, and it's it's a nice feeling. Right. Would you say that going through that experience did that make your passion for agriculture and speaking out and being an advocate for farming? Did that become more important to you for sure for sure because it's important to uh it's important to have a passion in your life and to to show it to other people that may not understand or have the same passion for for something in their life i think it's important that that people realize that there's there's people caring for the hens and whether it's the animals every day and it's just yeah, it, it, it's like you said, a newfound love for agriculture and what I do every day, providing eggs for not only people in Ontario, but for people in Canada. It's pretty great. And you are not shy about talking to people about being an egg farmer. You do you do a fair bit of volunteer stuff in grocery stores, and, and, and you, I saw some of the stuff that you did at the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair. Tell us about the, yeah. the cooking challenge. <laughs> so the Egg Farmers of Ontario were sponsors for um, the Road to the Royal. So what that is, is I believe there's five fairs that they have attended. I helped out at the Paris Fair. So there was 
three chefs from the area that were cooking, like you said, in a competition. And one of the secret ingredients that they had to use in there, so they had to cook a main dish and then a dessert. And um, so they had to use eggs in both the main main dish and dessert, which isn't hard because there's so many so many recipes that use eggs. And I was uh, I presented the eggs in Paris, and then they asked me to be a judge, so I got to taste and try some delicious food. And then so the winner of the Paris competition got to go to the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto, and then from there there was. There was, I can't remember how many chefs there were competing, but it was two weekends. And then on the final weekend, the top three chefs, they competed against each other, again, using eggs as their secret ingredient. And they, they all three of them made these delicious dishes. I, I'm not very, I don't like to try different food all the time, but going there, trying the different foods that the chefs created, it was delicious, and the desserts that they made were unbelievable it was you know five star quality food that i got to try it was pretty fun so when you were a judge tanya did they serve you wine as well (laughs) no we didn't have any wine just water oh because (laughs) because when i have wine i get super judgy (laughs) no thank goodness just just wine or or just water (laughs) okay and you talk to consumers at grocery stores still or just when you worked at a grocery store October is World Egg Month, so the beginning of October, I went to a grocery store in Toronto. It was actually um, at the Maple Leaf Gardens, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, right downtown Toronto. So we had a little a little kiosk set up where we were cooking frittatas. That was the uh, recipe that we had come up with for the World Egg Month. So just, just speaking with consumers as we were cooking up these frittatas, you know, the smells and the sounds of cooking it always draws people in, and I was there to help answer any questions that consumers may have had about housing, about what kind of different eggs there is, what the difference is between a white egg and a brown egg, and helping out at the Royal Winter Fair and the CME, we have a, a setup where we have live hens right there, so that's what draws uh, the consumers into to ask us questions, you know, some people might come up and they might just stand there and look at the hens and might not ask any questions, but if if you engage with them, they'll start asking questions and open up. And the most common question that we found we got was, what's the difference between a white egg and a brown egg? And that's... Really? There's no difference. That's yeah, the, most, that's the yeah. most common question. I, All of the issues that we have in, in farming and egg production, and that's what people want to... <laughs> Yeah, I remember I helped out. I think it was four years ago, and I was shocked that that was the question. Like, person after person after person was asking, what's the difference between a white egg and a brown egg? Okay, so what what's the difference between a white egg and a brown egg? So a white egg comes from a white hen, and a brown egg comes from a brown hen. That's, oh, my that's God, just like difference. milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not really. But <laughs> oh, all right. Same amount of protein, same essential nutrients, whether it's a white egg or a brown egg. It's, again, just the choice we provide for consumers. Nobody asked about cholesterol. Nobody really wants to know about how many eggs is it safe to eat a day? Well, the odd person will, but, yeah, that's that's the main question. For the record, I eat three eggs every day. That's good to hear. And that doesn't include all the other stuff that eggs are in, right? (laughs) That's true. And, you know, I'm at an age where my doctor wants me to watch my cholesterol and everything. And I can still eat three eggs every day. For sure, yeah. They, they've, um, I think it was the last two years, Egg Farmers Ontario has, I guess, debunked that myth 
saying that eggs are a source of cholesterol, and, and it's not true. Like you said, it's it's good to be eating your eggs. It's not that that's that's not the bad cholesterol in eggs. That's right. That you, you, Along with drinking yeah. milk and cooking with butter, <laughs> all good. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And you, I'm going to out you now on something here, Tanya. You are a Letterkenny fan. <laughs> yes, what what Canadian doesn't love Letterkenny? <laughs> well, but you, you, you have a slightly closer connection to Letterkenny than some people do. Well, I guess a little bit. I uh, I went to school with Jared Kiesel, and then when I lived right in Listowel, his grandpa was my neighbor. You were neighbors with the grandfather of Letterkenny. That's pretty cool. Yes. I get that the show is far-fetched and, and that it doesn't really represent everything about small-town Canada, but they get some stuff right. Well, you know, it's apparently based on Listool, and there's little nuances in there that I can pick up on, you know, going to high school for grade 10 through 12. It's, yeah, you pick up on stuff, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And I did not grow up in Listool, but I grew up on a farm near a small town, and I think there's a lot of stuff in that show that represents all things small town Canadian. For sure, anybody can relate to them. Well, and I think we should embrace those things. It's part of what makes us who we are. For sure, it makes us unique, right? That the small towns are important, and it's usually the small towns that are providing food for the rest of the urban cities, right? And it's it's nice living in a small community. So we shouldn't always make fun of it, but no, I know. And, fa- and family farms are an important part of that. Family farms which have the ability to be profitable here in Ontario, make yep. those communities stronger. Talk to anyone in, in rural USA and ask them how their small towns are doing and their rural economies. They're, they're having a bit of a tough goal. So I think the For fact sure. that, that we have such a vibrant farming community and rural Ontario and rural Canada is doing as well as they are is a real testament to the way that we're doing things. So I think we need to fight hard to maintain that. For sure. There's, there's about 400 egg farm families in Ontario, and then there's about 1,100 egg farm families in Canada. So like you said, that's it's, it's important for everyone to realize that the farms that are here in, in Ontario and in Canada, they are family farms. They're, 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 there's families every day in the barns, whether it's Saturday, a Sunday, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, or just any Monday of the week, it's it's families looking after the livestock each and every day, and it's important for, for everyone to realize that. Well, thanks for everything that you do in talking to consumers and, and putting out that positive image of what it means to be an egg farmer, and maybe not your typical image of who an egg farmer is. We, we appreciate that. Thank you for being a yep. guest on our show, and I'd like to thank all of our listeners and people that support the Ontario AgCast. And if you're listening to this and you think it's any good at all, Make sure that you go back to Twitter and show us some love. So this has been the Ontario AgCast. If it's the last show that we ever do, it's been fun. If not, we'll see you next time.